This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And now we have a new character that comes in. She's called the queen. Actually, she was the queen mother. She was his mother in verse 10. It says, now the queen, or the queen mother, by reason of the words of the king and his lords came into the banquet house. Literally, it's the house of drinking, the drinking house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. And now she speaks. There's a man. There's a man in your kingdom, right under your nose, she was saying. He's got a great spirit in there. He's got light and understanding. And she emphasizes to him, in the days of thy father, thy grandfather, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. And she emphasizes your grandfather, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, grandfather, the king. I say thy father. Do you know how many times she said that? Three times she's emphasized to him. And every time she emphasizes to him, she's like saying to him, you should have gone the way of your grandfather. You know, she's a picture for us. She's an example for us. She went in to help it. We should be on the lookout in life like she was for lost souls who are in great distress and great danger, and we should be the ones to rush in to help the helpless like she did. And the first thing that she did was to assure the king, I've got your best interests in heart. She was telling us the basis for bringing the gospel to a lost person. The basis for bringing the gospel to a lost person is care for that person. There has got to be a compassionate love for a lost person as a basis for bringing the gospel to that person. There's got to be a care where we want to see that lost soul live forever in heaven. Just like she said, oh, King, live forever. Not to be tormented for eternity in hell. And that's what we see in the heart of this queen mother as she speaks of the king. And now the queen mother sets out to help her king, her son, the king, and, and she says, there is a man, there is a man. That's her message. It's all about this man. It's all about Daniel, a very unusual man, a man that has abilities beyond all others. That's our message as the gospel. There is a man. 
That's the gospel message. That's the glorious gospel message. There is a man who is God in the form of a man. John 1.14, the word, John 1.14, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2.6, Philippians 2.6, there is a man who is God who has become a man. Philippians 2.6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The glorious message of the gospel is that there is a man who is the light of the world. This is what the queen mother was telling the, the King Belshazzar. There's a man who has light and understanding. The glorious message of the gospel is that there is a man who is the light of the world. John 1.9, John 1.9, the Lord Jesus is described as, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The message of the gospel is that, just as she said, there's a very unusual man there. The message of the gospel is there's a very unusual man who never sinned. 1 Peter 2.22, 1 Peter 2.22, he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. The great message of the gospel is there is a man who laid down his life for the ransom for the sin, for the sin of others. Matthew 20, verse 28, Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. This is what the gospel is all about. There is, it's a, there, it is a, there is a man gospel. There is a man who suffered and died for our sins. Isaiah 53, 5. Isaiah 53, 5. This man was wounded for our transgressions. This man was bruised for our iniquities. This man caused us to be healed by his stripes. And the problem in Isaiah 53, 6 is that us, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We all went the Belshazzar way. We went the no thank you to God, I'll do it myself, I don't need. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. And it was when the Lord stepped in, the Lord hath laid on him, on this man, the iniquity of us all. 1 Corinthians 15.3, 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, Christ died for our sins according to the gospel, uh, scripture, according to the scriptures. The glorious message of the gospel is that there is a man who has such an ability that he can save every sinner that comes to him. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, but uh, the bus is full. He doesn't say, uh, I can't guarantee I can keep my, keep my hold on you. No. Hebrews 7.25, Hebrews 7.25 says, this man, he is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The great message of the gospel is there is a man who has brought many out of the realms of darkness into heaven. He's led them, he's brought them. It says in Hebrews 2.10, Hebrews 2.10, it became him and for him are all things and by him are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. This is the glorious message of the gospel. There's a man, there's a man who can do what we can never do. He can wash away our sins. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. There's a man, when John the Baptist was out there 
And he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in John 1, 29, he was talking about there is a man, and John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith in John 1, 29. John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. There is a man who became a lamb and took away the sin of the world. That's the man. This is a man who, in the Bible, is worthy of all worship. In Revelation 5.12, Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. In Revelation 11.15, Revelation 11.15, the seventh angel sounded, there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There's a man who is going to reign over the kingdoms, and he's going to reign forever and ever. And this is what the the queen mother was telling Belshazzar when she said, there is a man. Think about how astounding that phrase is, there is a man. Right now, think about it. Right now, there is a man in heaven. There is a man in heaven who is for us our perfect advocate, our lawyer. He's interceding in prayers for believers. She doesn't know very much. She knows a little about who Daniel is. She talks about the spirit of the gods is in Daniel. Well, she's correct in that Daniel has a knowledge, but not from the spirit of the gods. But she sees in Daniel, she doesn't know exactly. She's just kind of seeing uh, dimly. But she sees in Daniel something unusual. She sees the same thing that Pharaoh saw in Joseph. And he recognized Pharaoh didn't know everything, but Pharaoh could see there is another spirit in this man, Daniel, the queen mother saw. There's another spirit inside this man, Joseph. Pharaoh said in Genesis 41, 38, Genesis 41, 38, Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? This is what makes a Christian a Christian. A Christian, it's not his good deeds, but his life that shows the spirit of God is inside of him. Romans 8.14, Romans 8.14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Romans 8.9, Romans 8.9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Galatians 4.6, Galatians 4.6, because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so the queen mother tells Belshazzar how his grandfather had exalted this man. And when she did that, that was a rebuke to her son Belshazzar. She was Belshazzar in an indirect way. You went the wrong way. Your grandfather showed you the way and you said no. And you went the wrong way. And she speaks a... She speaks of Daniel as one who interprets dreams. Literally, when she said that, the Hebrew reads, he unloosens knots. He unloosens knots. When a lost person reads the Bible, it's easy for him to get caught up in confusion to say, this Bible is a book of knots. I can't understand it. But when the Lord Jesus comes in to a person, he unties the knots. And he makes the cloudy to become clear. He loosens the knots. And so the king brings in Daniel and says to him in verse 13, Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel which are of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father, grandfather, brought out of Jewry? You know, you got a question mark at the end of uh, verse 13. You got a question mark. There are no question marks in Hebrew. 
So this, what the king said, it could very well be, in fact, I believe what, the king did not ask Daniel if he's Daniel. Are you really Daniel? Did they get the right prisoner? He didn't do that. He'd say, did you guys get the right, you're the right one? Okay, say your name. That wasn't what happened. Rather than a question of skepticism, the king in verse 13 is making a statement of hope as he's saying, thou art indeed Daniel. The king is so desperate, he wants Daniel to be who he's heard Daniel is. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ is looking for in men. People who are so desperate, they want the Lord Jesus Christ to be more than just a man. They want the Lord Jesus Christ to be a savior who can save them from their sins. And that's who the Lord Jesus Christ is looking for. He's looking for people who really want the Lord Jesus Christ to be the deliverer, who really could deliver them. And you see this in Matthew chapter 9, 26, Matthew 9, 26, where it says, the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Here are two blind men. How much more desperate can you be than to be blind sitting on the side of a roadside? You're desperate to be healed from your blindness. You hear it's Jesus. You call out to the Lord Jesus, and then you follow him into the house, and he asks you an amazing question. And the question is not, what do you want me to do for you? But the question is, believe ye, in verse 28, Matthew 9, 28, 9, 28, believe ye that I am able to do this? And you say, What? He's asking them, do you believe that I am able to heal you? Do you believe that I have the power, that I am the one with the power to heal you? And it was only after they responded yes in verse 28, 928, Matthew 928, yea, Lord, that he healed their eyes from the blindness. Matthew 929, 929. Then touched ye their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you, their eyes were open. Before he healed them, the Lord, before he healed them, he, he asked them this question, do you believe? And you, you, gotta, you gotta draw the conclusion that, well, if they said, I don't know, he wouldn't have healed them. If they would have said, well, I'm not, I don't think so, then he wouldn't have healed them. But they said, yes, we want you to be who we've heard you to be. And he said, then, according to your faith, you got the, the healing of your eyes. And when he said, according to your faith, be it unto you, that meant that if they said they didn't believe, they wouldn't have been healed. And in this time, the Lord Jesus, right now, in this time, we're at a time right now, the Lord Jesus is not seen as who he really is, Lord God Almighty. It's a time of faith. It's a time when, when the Lord Jesus is saying, I will be now what you believe me to be. As if the Lord is saying to them, if you want me to be just another man, fine. Then that's who I'll be to you. But if you're so desperate in your soul that you want me to be God, you want me to be savior, healer, deliverer, then that's what I'll be to you. I'll be to you according to your faith. 
now in this life. After life, it's not going to be that way. He's going to be seen for who he really is. He is the Lord God Almighty. And as for those blind men, it was, it, it's like they're people today. If a person is so desperate as these blind men were, as King Belshazzar was, that they want, as King Belshazzar wanted Daniel to be, thou art Daniel, this person who can, who can bring light and understanding. And if a person today, if they don't want the Lord Jesus to, to be just another man, they want him to be savior. They want him to be savior to cleanse them from their sins. They need a savior to be cleansed from their sins. They want to believe that he is a savior that can save dirty, rotten sinners because they've stepped up and they've said, I am the candidate, I'm the dirty, rotten sinner, and I need a savior of dirty, rotten sinners. But if a person is skeptical and they, if they say, you know, I'm not, show me I'll believe, you know, I'm not that desperate, the Lord says, no, no then I'm not going to be to you the Savior, to save you from your sins. Because it is today a be it unto you according to your faith situation. If a person's so desperate that he needs the Lord Jesus to be the Lord God Almighty, deliver him from his trouble to the point where he believes that the Lord Jesus is who he really is, the Lord God Almighty, then that person will see the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord God Almighty, the Savior. So this is what happens here. Daniel enters in. The king wants to believe that Daniel is that special person who can help him. Verses 16 through 13 through 16, it's really a statement of faith. It's really a statement of Belshazzar having faith in Daniel. And that's why the king, unlike others, who always addressed Daniel by that horrible name, Belteshazzar, which happens to be the same name as the king's, Belshazzar, which means Bel save the king, Bel protect the king. And the queen mother, the queen mother made it clear to Belshazzar in verse 12, verse 12, the same Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. But when Daniel comes in, the, the king does not call Daniel by his Chaldean name, Belteshazzar. And this shows something. This shows that the king does not want Daniel to be close to him because the king wants deliverance from his current state. And he hopes that this foreigner Daniel can bring him out of his sin and of his lost condition. And now we hear from Daniel, and the first thing that Daniel says in, in verse 17, Daniel answered and said before the king, when he had that great offer of all those gifts, he, Daniel said, no, let thy gifts, gifts be to thyself. I'll, I'll read, don't worry, king, I'll read the writing, and I'll, make the, I'll give you the interpretation, but I don't, I don't want your gifts, I don't want them. Why? He makes it very clear that he will not accept any of the king's gifts for reading the writing on the wall. Daniel does this because Daniel knows that this life, as far as he's concerned personally, it's not the right time to rest in wealth. Daniel's in his 80s right now, and when the thought came to him, well, not a bad offer. Why not take the gifts? Why not settle down, make a life of enjoyment? You worked hard enough, pleasure on earth. Those voices, Daniel says, no, because the, he, he knows, Daniel knows very well, there was a prophet named Elisha, and he had a servant named Gehazi, and Gehazi had been with Elisha, and Gehazi had the benefit of everything. He saw everything that Elijah did to the point where the king of Israel called Gehazi and said to him, tell me about the great works of your master Elisha in 2 Kings 8.4. The king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. 
And it came to pass as he was telling the king how he restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, this is the woman. This is her son whom Elisha restored to life. In serving Elisha, Gehazi was exposed to great light. But that was no guarantee that Gehazi was right with God. Just like a Christian might be, might, might be in a great Bible-believing church all the time, that's no guarantee that a Christian is right with God because deep within Gehazi's heart was a love of money that drove him to lie. And when the opportunity came for Gehazi to lie and get money from a Syrian captain named Naaman, Gehazi said, why not? And Elijah told Gehazi, why not? I'll tell you why not. In 2 Kings 5.26, 2 Kings 5.26, he said unto him, wet not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence as a leper white as snow. Daniel knew this was not the time for him to get rich and settle down into a life of pleasure and rest. He knew that his ability to read this writing on the wall was a gift from God, not as a result of a gift of the king. And for Daniel, the very thought that the gift of God could be bought with money was repulsive to him, just like it was repulsive to Peter when a person approached him and wanted to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter responded in Acts 8.20, Acts 8.20, Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. And furthermore, Daniel knew Belshazzar was going the wrong way, and the last thing Daniel wanted to be able was for someone to say, oh, he made Daniel rich. Exactly what happened with Abraham and the king of Sodom. It says in Genesis 14, 23, Genesis 14, 23, where Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I will not take a thread even to a shoe latchet. I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abram rich. Daniel was jealous. Daniel was jealous for his God. He wanted to be very clear. His blessings are coming from the Lord God Almighty. The chapter is going on, and we don't have time to go through it now, but the chapter will proceed on. We hope that Belshazzar, in the hours that were left of his life, which were a few, that he took to heart what Daniel is going to tell him later on, which is like an arraignment in a court, his mother told him, your father, your father, your, fa your grandfather, your grandfather, your grandfather went the way that you should have gone. We hope he converted. We hope he repented. We don't know. It'll take going to heaven to find out. But for now, this chapter stands as a great lighthouse of warning. Don't go away of independence from God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being so kind, so, so caring as to as to even this, this King Belshazzar, to not destroy him on the spot, but to give him that last chance. We hope he took it. Lord, if we hope that if there's anyone here in this, this room this morning, that Lord, that they would take that last chance also and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's still time to come as a dirty, rotten sinner, uh, confess their sins and say, I want him to be God, my God. I want him to be Savior, my Savior. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.